Welcome to Superintendent Radio Network. I'm Guy Cipriano. We're continuing our Tartan Talk series by speaking with John Sanford, the president of the American Society of Golf Course Architects. We caught up with John at the Golf Course Builders Association of America summer meeting in Charlotte. But before we bring you our conversation with John, we'd like to thank Better Billy Bunker for supporting this podcast. Better Billy Bunker is not only a great supporter of the ASGCA and the GCBAA and a number of other industry organizations and effort, they're also a big supporter of golf course superintendents and the work they do. So we thank the team at Better Billy Bunker for bringing us these podcasts and now to our conversation with John. Thanks for joining us here in Charlotte. And the first thing I got to ask you about is what is it like being president of the American Society of Golf Course Architects? What are some opportunities you've already received early here in your tenure? Well, thanks, Guy. It's good to, to be here talking to you. You know, it's still early in my uh, in my tenure, in my year as president, so I, I don't have a uh, complete understanding of, of the, the gig yet, but it's, so far it's been great. We spent some time at the U.S. Open in some meetings um, with some of the um, industry partners and, and allied uh, professionals. So far it's been it's been very rewarding. Uh, we're making some good progress with um, some of the, the media and um, one of the things that we're, we're trying to do is to to continue to brand the American Society of Golf Course Architects. So getting with um, golf course industry is helping us. Um, we're, we're making strides with, with Tudor Rose, publisher that, that works with us on by design and some some other things. Uh, we're, in, we're having some great discussions with the Golf Channel about doing some, some more work with them. So, so far, it's been great. When you joined the association, did you ever think that you would become this involved and get a chance to be president and follow in the footsteps of some really great people that have been president of this organization? Well, that, that's a great question. And uh, the answer, the simple answer is no. I had, mm-hmm. I, and I, I said this uh, when I accepted the presidency at our annual meeting in Jupiter. When I first joined the society, it was simply to, to meet some of the, the architects that I looked up to and to, to play some great golf courses. Because, you know, one, one, of the, one of the real perks to being in the society is we get to play, play some great courses at our annual meetings and our, um, our executive meetings. So I, I really wasn't, I had no aspirations to get this deep into the organization, but um, I was prompted years ago, probably five or six years ago, by uh, the late Bob Cup. He was a good friend. And, um, you know, he said, Sanford, you know, you need to step up and be part of this organization um, and, and really, you know, get on the executive committee, which is the start of becoming president. John, I don't think a lot of people know this, but your father pitched in the, in the major leagues. He was the 1957 Rookie of the Year, yet he had a passion for golf, and that kind of uh, stemmed to you. Just tell our listeners and the people in the industry how you got involved in this business and your path to this point. As you said, my dad was a professional baseball player, and, and that was his first career. Um, and like many ball players and, and many pitchers, um, as he was, right-handed pitcher, um, he started playing golf while he was in the major leagues. That was kind of a, um, a way to, to pass some time when you're on the starting rotation. Uh, those guys go out and, and, and play golf. And being a, you know, a pretty good athlete and, and obviously a competitor, um, he took to golf pretty quickly. So um, that started in the 60s. And there's a whole other story. Um, I, I guess I could get into it briefly. Um, when he lost the seventh game of the World Series in 1962, 
one to nothing. He pitched eight innings, and uh, it was it was a heartbreaker, needless to say. And uh, the manager of the San Francisco Giants at that time was a guy named Alvin Dark, which um, was he's a famous shortstop that become manager. Alvin and and my dad were very good friends, uh, and for many years after that, Alvin got him a set of golf clubs to um, help take his mind off off that game. So that's how that's how he got into golf. Uh, became competitive, um, became very good. He was a scratch player back in, in, in his day. And then as he started winding down his baseball career, uh, he had four kids and um, needed, you know, in those days they didn't make millions of dollars. So he needed another career and he got into, into, go into the golf business and, and um, became involved with a development company down in South Florida. How about yourself, see, seeing somebody in your family that has a passion for it? I mean, my father had a passion for golf, and that carried on to me, and that's why I'm working in the golf business. When did you really catch the, the golf fever, and when did you realize that you can maybe make a career out of it? Early on, when I was, um, I, I was probably eight or nine years old when my dad um, started getting into the golf business. And there was a transition period there where he was still in baseball mm -hmm. and he would and he was started working in, in golf management um, in the off season. And um, we were in South Florida, the golf courses were getting built and um, I was fascinated with, the, with the, the construction process. So I had a, an interest early on in golf course design and construction. I still was playing baseball, and I wasn't playing golf at that time, and in, in my mind, I was going to be a, a baseball player first. Um, long story short, I hurt my arm. You know, I was a, a left-handed pitcher. I hurt my arm probably at about 14 or 15. I think uh, my dad said it was be, I was starting to trying to throw curveballs when I shouldn't have been. And um, so that summer, instead of playing baseball, I started playing golf. And uh, of course, you know, the rest is history. I fell in love with the game. Continued to uh, be interested in work on the on the construction and, and maintenance side. Thought you know I want to be a golf course architect, and and that's why I went to college and got a degree in landscape architecture so I could do this. How did you get your big opportunity? Who were some people that were influential in your career, especially during the early stages? The first recollection I have of understanding that there was actually a profession called golf course architecture um, was. On the street that I grew up on in West Palm Beach, Florida, uh, one of my one of my buddies uh, that was my age, on just a, a neighborhood friend, um, was the son of a golf architect named Bill Mitchell, and Bill Mitchell uh, was also a, um, originally from New England, as my parents were, and he came to to Florida to design and build golf courses because that was the new frontier. South Florida, and I'll never forget the, uh, walking into the Mitchell house in the you know down the street from where I lived, and um, seeing some plans laid out on the literally on the dining room table, um, and you know I'd already been around construction, I had an interest in it, and I saw these plans, and I I could tell there was golf holes laid out on there, and it looked pretty you know professional, and and I thought wow. I mean, it was a definite wow moment where I, I said, wow, this is, this is something I could do. And on um, top of that, my dad always told me, even back in, you know, when I was very young, you know, you, you're going to have to work your, the rest of your life. I'm not going to, you know, you're, you're, not, you're, you're, not, you're not a rich kid. So, you know, you better find something you really love to do and, and make that your profession. And so that was it. You know, I, I saw those plans and I thought, this is what I want to do. You live in Florida and you've done a lot of work in Florida. You've, you've worked pretty extensively in your home state. What is it like 
designing golf courses and renovating golf courses in Florida, it's obviously um, the topography is a little bit different than other places. The soil conditions are different. The weather conditions are different. What has it been like working in Florida so long? And what are some things you have done to make creative use of some of the land you've worked on? Working in, especially in South Florida, is a mixed blessing. You know, on one hand, you have mostly sandy soils that move pretty easy. There's not a lot of rock. Um, so it's fairly um, efficient work to, to build a, a golf course there. The, the flip side of it is when you're working with flat land, um, a lot of times not any real significant vegetation, um, you know, what we're having to do is, is really manufacture a golf course. And then and the other part of that is, is a lot of times, most of the times in Florida, it's part of a community. So you have these limitations with housing lots and roads and so forth and so on. Um, so there, there's pluses and minuses like everywhere you go. Um, but, you know, having learned and you know, cut my teeth in, in, in Florida and, and, you know, having built, been on, on, on construction projects at an early age, I, you know, that was all I knew when I was young. You know, you dig a lake and you use that material to build up the land to, to sculpt the golf course and obviously drainage in, a, in, a, in a, a place where the water table is very high um, and um, it rains a lot, you know, yeah. and it's, it's a lot of heavy humidity, which is a big factor um, for drainage, you know, believe it or not. You know, drainage is of utmost importance, more so than in a lot of places. Um, so. You know, what's, what's great about the profession guy is, is um, everywhere you go, and I've been fortunate to work around the world, you know, most of, probably half of my work, maybe 60% of my work's been in, in Florida, but the rest of it's been around the world, uh, in, you know, throughout the states and Hawaii. I've been fortunate to, to work in a, in a lot of different um, venues and, and conditions, um, and that's what's great about this profession. Everywhere you go, it's different. Place, the soils change, the topography change, the vegetation changes, and, um, and therefore, I've learned um, to, you know, adapt my design philosophies to those locations and, and make it work for the, the natural conditions. And I really think that's what, what, what it's all about. We talked a little before we recorded about strategic value and making golf courses strategic and having those strategic qualities. What are, what are some considerations you have to make when you're thinking of, of those terms and how does that change from site to site? Yeah, strategic quality is very important to me. If a golf course doesn't have a, uh, a planned strategy or, and strategic quality, it's, it's, it's a very nice park. You know, that could, that's debatable from, from one guy to the next, but um, and a lot of people say, well, you know, most golfers, especially average to high handicappers, they really can't appreciate strategy, and I don't necessarily agree with that. I think even people who who love the game, who maybe can't execute, uh, you know, every shot or even some of their shots, can still see the golf course and recognize the strategy and at least plan accordingly. So um, I think that's what it, what it's all about. And, you know, there's there's some classic strategic holes, you know, that that we all um, you know recognize from some of the classic architects. You know, the Cape Hole comes to mind and different greens designs like, you know, the Redan and, and Biarritz and so forth that affect the strategy of the whole. And so, you know, we like to try to incorporate those elements into the, into the design. But the most important thing, as I was mentioning earlier, is to really understand the property first, the, the different conditions, the soils, the, the topography, the vegetation. And then hopefully that that the character and the conditions of, of the site kind of re starts to reveal the strategy and 
you know, sometimes, you know, obviously we all use bunkers to, to create strategic uh, shot options, but sometimes it's just a landform or sometimes it's a tree. You know, there's all different ways that you can affect the strategy of a golf hole. And, and to me, that's really what separates a lot of the great courses from just the good courses is the strategic quality of the, of the design. Most of the work out there these days are, are renovations. And when you're doing a renovation and planning for one, where does strategy come into your mind? And do you look to completely change a, a golf course strategically when you do a renovation? Or do you just look to make subtle strategic changes when you're doing that type of work? Great question. And, the, you know, it's, 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 not a, um, it's not a black and white answer. Even though I'm, I like to think I'm, I'm you know, a, a pretty good strategist uh, and I've, I've been fortunate to learn from Mr. Nicholas and, and that's, you know, what he does so well. You, you still have to listen to the client and, and what the client wants. Um, so there's some clubs, you know, where, where they really want to redesign the golf course and make it a better golf course and, and, and instill, you know, better strategic quality. And then there's other clubs, especially in South Florida, where you have aging memberships. You know, it's a private club and this is their, their home course and that most, most of these people really just want to go out and have a nice day. They don't want the course to be too difficult. In any case, we're going to improve the strategy of that golf course, but in some cases it's a little more extreme than others. I guess the point is, is that there's always going to be some, some, uh, a strategic approach from our standpoint. At times, it's, it might be a little uh, lighter hand than others, depending upon what the, what the owner and the clients want. What was it like working with Jack Nicholas, and how much did he talk about strategy and, and thinking a few shots ahead? He obviously did some things as a player that nobody else did, thinking through a golf course analytically. How much did, has he and put that into, into the golf course architecture projects you guys have done? Well, I mean, to me, Jack is, you know, obviously the, the greatest player um, we know you know, and certainly in the modern era. I think one of the reasons why he was such a great player, well, two reasons. Number one, he knew how to read a golf course and manage his game. And number two, the guy has got incredible focus. I mean, when, he, when, when he's working, and I can only imagine that that's the way he played the game, he is uber focused on what he's doing and there's no distractions. I don't have that skill myself, <laughs> you know. I'm, I'm easily distracted, but it's great to watch Jack and, and really, if we're doing our job properly, um, you know, we set it up and he puts the strategy into it. And, and he has such a great recall of the thousands of golf courses that he's played and, and won and contended on. Um, so it's, a, it's an amazing when he can look at a, a hole in the dirt, you know, and where it's just rough shaped and it's kind of, you know, we're still, we're st there's still a lot of refinements that are, that are required and he can say, well, you know what? This kind of reminds me of 15 at Baltusrol, but if we did this and we moved that bunker over here and we tilted the green a little bit, and um, you know, we'd really have a great hole here. And and so that's what he brings to the table, um, along with you know his great brand. Um, so it's 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 always fascinating to me to listen to him and and learn from him and, and his his great understanding of the game and strategic design. I think almost all of us in in the golf industry grew up playing a certain course or working at a course and we have a special bond and some memories of that course, you're getting a chance to, to work on the course you grew up playing. Uh, just tell our listeners uh, a little bit about Banyan K, some of the work you're doing and how special is it to go back and uh, work on a course that you have fond childhood memories of. It's an incredible opportunity and again, one that I never expected um, 
I grew up in West Palm Beach, as I said, you know, after my dad was getting out of baseball, and he was actually the uh, director of golf at a 36-hole um, private club called the President Country Club. And we were there right from the beginning, uh, and we're part of, and that's really where I first got it in pretty fascinated with golf course design and construction. Bill Mitchell was the, was the original architect. Um, these are courses that were built back in the early 70s. Yeah, and yes, I am that old. You know, I was just a kid, but, but I grew up there, and I watched the courses get built, and my dad managed it, and that's where I learned to play and, and, and you know, fell in love with the game. Like so many other um, private clubs in South Florida and throughout the country, it fell on hard times. Um, make a very long story short, um, the, the members years later, back in the, the mid-2000s, when the recession hit, they... Um, you know, unfortunately, they didn't put proper improvements into the golf courses. They couldn't get any new members, and they they lost the golf course to the bank. Um, so, uh, fast forward a little bit. Some some friends of mine and business associates bought the property from the bank, and um, and now with a developer, um, they are we we have taken one of the golf courses, the lesser of the two golf courses, and it and that's been rezoned and turned into a real estate development which you know, brings the capital to the table that's allowing us to go in and completely redesign and rebuild the original golf course at the President Country Club. The, the project is now is being rebranded. Uh, it's a, it's a, one of these hybrid um, resort slash you know, annual fee type clubs. Um, there's gonna be new homes and new condominiums, a, a resort hotel. And, um, and we're working with, with Mr. Nicholas again to, to uh, completely redesign and rebuild this golf course. You know, I'm there just about every day when I'm home and in town, you know, it's, some, it's a place I can't stay away from. I, I finished playing golf this past Saturday um, in, a, in an event up in north of where I live and got in the car and went straight to, 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 drove to West Palm Beach to look at the progress that had been made that day. So it's a real passion. It's a pleasure to be there. And, you know, it brings back a lot of memories. And it's, it's really kind of neat to be able to uh, be involved and, and be able to, to bring it back. And actually what we're doing there with, with the design is, is, is somewhat like the original golf course. It's not all that different than, than originally uh, was. We, we're certainly adding some, some uh, topography and some interest to what the original design was, but it's very close to the original routing kind of respects what Mr. Mitchell had done uh, you know, back in the day. It's just a, a great project to be involved with for many reasons. There was a panel with some of the, the golf course builders today, and one of the questions that was asked is, what's the most fulfilling part of their job? How about for you, what's the most fulfilling part of being a golf course architect? Another great question. You know, I really enjoy, I enjoy all aspects of it, um, you know, right from the start all the way to the finish. But one of the things that's, that's really cool about a successful project, some are more successful than others, but I really believe in, in, uh, in bringing a team to the table. Um, you know, and, and of course, you know, as, as the architect, you know, we're usually the lead consultant. But, you know, with that, we, you know, we have an irrigation designer. We usually have um, a, uh, an agronomist. There's an engineer, a civil engineer involved for water management purposes. So there's a team of consultants. Obviously, there's the owner. 
And then there's typically a contractor or a couple of contractors. Sometimes you have a general with an irrigation sub or sometimes the, the, the irrigation contractor is separate. And, but to pull that team together, it's kind of like the, um, the conductor of the orchestra, if you will, is the best analogy I can think of. And to have a, a good cohesive team that all works together and as in, in that interview you, you, you were moderating um, earlier, you know, there was a lot of, there was discussion about timeframes, you know, we've, we've learned since the recession to be more efficient and, you know, every dollar counts, every penny counts. Um, and it seems like the, the timeframes to get this work done is, are, is shorter and shorter. We have to do more work in less time. That way the course can reopen and, the, and they can start ringing the cash register again. So, you know, it's really a challenge um, that I love um, in bringing the team together. And, and it really kind of takes on a project, you know, not only the design of it, and like in, in the case with Banyan K, I'm, I'm co-designing with, with Mr. Nicholas. We're also managing the project for the owner. So to pull that team together, um, to, you know, have a, a unified team and a unified effort and it's, you know, that stays on budget and stays on schedule and, and does a great job in the end you know, all the way down to the, to the smallest detail and get that job done on time and on budget is, is really what's most gratifying for me. John, thanks a lot for taking some time here in Charlotte and good luck with your projects and good luck with being the president of the society this year and enjoy it, have some fun with it. I'm having a great time, Guy. Thanks a lot for your time today too.